Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you for your glory that is already here. Thank you for those who are listening on our website, on both YouTube and Twitter and uh, all of the other streaming outlets. Thank you for those who are not just listening, but they have uh, committed themselves to what we're doing here and have voted themselves in as a part of our uh, external membership so that they have no qualms, no, no questions about, about sharing everything we put out on their own pages and sending it to all of the hundreds and thousands of people listening on their page and their, their connections, their, their sphere of influence. Bless them. Those that are not here, specifically, we continue to pray for Sister Faye Colvin. Continue to pray for Sister Carolyn uh, Watford. Continue to pray constantly and cover Mother Acreage. Continue to cover Sister Luida McCall. These are legacy members, legacy saints, saints that have been in this fight, in this warfare, setting the pace for us young folk. God bless them. Renew their health and strength in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, as your word goes forth this morning, stir the heart of your people. We are tired of backing up. I'm tired of backing up, Lord. I am tired of the adversary redrawing the boundary lines. We are absolutely tired and we are saying like J.T. Westworth, it's our power given to us by God and we will not take it anymore. Devil, we will not take it anymore. Devil, we will not take it. Is, we are take, it is my territory and I am not taking it anymore. You will not back us up anymore. You will not steal anymore. You will not grab and run. No, 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 no. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let every heart that is committed to the vision of this house, God, explode in blessing so that their families, their, their friends, people in their own communities will see what you are doing through them and be excited about what you're doing through us. We give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I uh, don't know how many of you were able to be in our meeting last week. Uh, I want to take a moment to just welcome
Uh, any first time or second time visitors in the house? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Assembly, we've got visitors. We love you, and we haven't even met you officially. We appreciate you being here, and we want you to know that uh, we will not just give you the old welcome thing. We want to embrace you. We want to move from just being nice to being absolutely rolling, bumping all over you with the love of God. And so please, feel at home. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have been grappling for a while on uh, a theme that started with our weekday Bible study on the glory of God. I think, uh, Grant, what was the Sunday morning, the oneness, oneness with God. So on Sundays, the theme has been for the month of May, oneness with God. And during the week in Bible study, we have been developing the glory of God, moving from glory to glory. Uh, both of those, those, those themes actually have a, 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 a merging point where God wants you to become one with him as he manifests his glory. They're not separate issues. They're just parts of the same framework that God, once again, wants to manifest his glory in you. And when that is done, you and I become more than just friends with Jesus. We become one with God. Uh, so this morning, I want to dig into uh, something that I believe every one of us will be blessed with. It's going to be challenging because we are on a growth slope right now. And how many of you understand that there's no, there's no gain without pain? That, that you will grow, you will grow, you will grow to the level of your own pain. And if you have gone through a, an enormous amount of life pain, and because of lack of knowledge, lack of knowing God in a very deep and personal way, you were not able to, to, to uh, not maximize, but to leverage that pain into purpose. You are in the right place. Because if you stick around us long enough, you will begin to understand that every bit of pain that you go through in your life, God wants to leverage it into blessing. God wants to leverage every bit of pain into blessing. As you become hardcore committed to him, and say like the three Hebrew boys, or say like Daniel, I know God can deliver me. I know that. I'm confident. I've seen him do it. But let me put you 
or know this devil. If perchance God decides that he will not bring me out of the fire, that he will not hold the jaws of the lion back, and I come into physical injury, I'm still not going to stop praising him. I will not cease from giving him worship. Matter of fact, the harder the bite of the adversary, the more I will scream, thank you, Jesus. The more the pain increases, the louder I will say, Lord, I thank you. I worship you. I will do like, like, the, like the disciples in that jail with their legs in clamps and their hands in chains and sitting with no padding on a cold, either dirt floor or, or, or wet floor. It was a time to maximize and leverage their pain for the glory of God. So they started to worship. And the word says at midnight, pandemonium broke out. God decided to come down. The glory of God decided to, to descend on that jail and chains fell off and doors opened up and the jailer went crazy. He said, oh, they're about to leave. People are going to escape. Oh, the prisoners are going. But when the glory of God comes down, it does not matter how crazy the situation looks. Here it is. Order will be maintained. The God that we serve is not a disorderly God. <laughs> he don't just come and create a ruckus and leave stuff all tore up. No, 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 no. That, 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 that's somebody else's God. That, that's somebody else's God. That, that's the, that's the, the liquor God. That, that's, the, that's the crack God. That, that's the, that's the, 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 the marijuana God. That, that's some other God, but not Jehovah. Not our God. Not our God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Okay, um, let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 22. And I'm talking this morning on the topic, glory has a price. How many of us want the glory of God to come down on us? You want the glory. You want the glory. You want the glory. Okay, maybe you don't understand why you should want the glory. So let, let me back up for a moment. In the Old Testament, in Joshua, uh, leave that right there. Let me just give a, a, pre, uh, a preamble here. Joshua, in Joshua 4, I believe, or 3 or 4, you read it for yourself when you get home. Uh, Moses died. The Ark of the Covenant was already there, but God was reconstituting constituting how the glory of God in the Ark of the Covenant, that little box with the two angels on the side, covered, inlaid with gold, and uh, the table of shoe bread was in there, and several significant things that God told them to put there. And he started off by telling Joshua, I want you to move the children of Israel from where they are camping towards the promised land. But as you do that, I want you to make sure 
that the priests are the only ones that touch the Ark of the Covenant. Pastor Ron actually started this three weeks ago and had me, I've just been chewing on it since then. And I can't let go of it. And he said to them, when you are getting ready to move, he even told them, I don't want the priests holding it this way. I want them putting it this way. Everything was with a specific directive. But right, I think it's maybe the fourth or fifth verse. He says to Joshua, when all of that is set and you're beginning to walk towards where I'm telling you to, and the priests are lifting the Ark of the Covenant and walking towards the promised land, I want you to make sure that no one outside of the priesthood is standing or playing or walking within 2,000 cubits of the ark. It blew my mind because 2,000 cubits didn't mean much to me, so I want to read it in a way that it would mean something. So I went back and looked at what that meant, and it literally means about half a mile away. That the glory of God was so intense in the Ark of the Covenant that if an individual outside of the priesthood outside of those who were anointed to do the work of priestly activity, they would be in a heap of mess and even die. We have the instance of an individual who passed by the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant as it was being taken back to Jerusalem on a donkey, on a cart, and, and the person saw from afar off that the ark looked like it would be, it was about to, to topple over and fall over on the side. And just wanting to help, the individual ran to the cart and put his hand out to stabilize the cart, the ark of the covenant, and he dropped dead. That God was trying to make sure we understand that wherever my glory is, respect it. Wherever my glory lands, respect it. You may not have respect for me. You may not like me. But as I encourage the glory of God in my life, you're going to respect me. We have people, minorities, blacks, Indians, Chinese, whites, all kinds of people, Arabs, all over the world, fighting for respect. And because God is not at the center of their pursuit, they, they end up killing each other to get respect. 
Now, how much sense does that make? You see, when we're sitting by ourselves quietly and we're going over those facts, it don't make any sense that you would kill somebody to get respect. If they're dead, they can't respect you. But that's exactly how the adversary works. He sells you something over here, then he baits and switches over here. That if you want respect, and we've been hearing it in every area of our news, you cannot just talk about it anymore. You got to be willing to fight for it. You got to be willing to die for it. That's not what God says. God says, in the Old Testament, the power, the glory was on somebody to do a specific job at a specific time. And when that job was over, when the priests had done what they were supposed to do, they could walk around like normal folk and the glory was not on them. The respect was still there, but the glory was not there. When Jesus came in the Old Testament, New Testament and presented himself as the Son of God, the sinless one, died on the cross of Calvary, immediately as he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost the veil of the temple was split down the middle and it represented access that the place that was only allowed for the priest to go beyond was now open so you and I could go in hallelujah glory be to God not only that but he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. So not only are you allowed to go into the holies of holies like the priests did in the Old Testament, but when I send the glory of God through the Holy Spirit, as he did in Acts 1.8, he said, and you shall become witnesses. Is that the glory, the spirit, the supernatural presence of God shall come upon you and you shall be witnesses in your own Jerusalem, in your own Judea, in your own Samaria, and in every other part of the world where you go, my glory is going to witness through you. Woo, hallelujah. So today, the question is, Pastor, if we have the glory both on us and in us, why is the adversary coming into our space at levels less than half a mile? You would think, Mom, that if he had to respect the glory of God sitting in an inanimate object called the Ark of the Covenant, that for sure, Miss Angela, he would respect the glory of God even more that it is activated inside of a human vessel that can speak with authority, that can act with authority, that can walk this thing out. But many of us have been backed up by the adversary's lies. I long for a church, it was my last point, 
on our value statement. I long for a church that is filled with the glory of God and the anointing of God is just washing through every pew that when you come into fellowship on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday, that what you leave with is a word in your heart and the glory of God activated and stirred up within you so that you understand I am not average. What? Look at somebody and tell them, I'm not average. The glory of God is in me. I may not feel holy, but I got glory. Oh, hallelujah, glory be to God. Hey, hey, hey. I may not feel holy today, but I got glory. You know why? Because God gave it to me. I didn't have to work for it. I just say yes, and he, dips, he just puts it on there. Whew. Genesis 22. My God, that's the preamble. The glory, the glory, the glory. The subject, glory has a price. You want that glory that is in the Ark of the Covenant? It's got a price. You want that glory that causes your enemies in the office, in your neighborhood, your family members that have been disrespectful all of your life to you? You want that kind of glory? You, do you want the glory that when you walk into Walmart, people stand by you in the line and all you see is they feel something. They don't know what it is, but, but, but it's the glory. They look at you and they like you or don't like you. But either way, they show absolute respect for you and they don't know why. You want to know why? The glory. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That you and I have the authority to carry the glory. You have been given the authority by heaven's precinct. To not just wear your badge of glory, but to literally have your badge inside of you. Nobody can take it away. It's inside of you. Oh my gosh. Genesis 22, 9 through 19. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, I want you to just pause there for a moment. I don't know if anyone has read this and just skipped over it, but the, the angel of God did not wait until he had gotten to the point of no return. He did not wait until Abraham had the knife coming all the way down and then went over there and stopped it. He, Abraham was in the motion. He had not gotten to the place of no return with his strike. And the word of God says, here it is, but the angel of God called out to him. You could only call out to somebody and tell them stop when they have not gotten to the place of no return. 
How many of you understand that if the knife is at a certain point, there's no stopping it? You can't call out to me when, when I'm swinging from this, this, this far away and, and the blade is an inch from the guy's neck. It has already gone two feet around and you telling me, stop! No, it's not going to happen. The angel of the Lord calls him before he gets to the place of no return. And I believe that that was done for a specific reason to bring a clearer picture of understanding to us. And what is that? That God was looking at his heart. So before he got to the place in the physical where he could not stop, God had already noted that his heart was completely given over. I am so glad that God did not wait until he had been at the point of no return and then the angel just stopped the blade. I am glad that the angel was able to call his name and he answered and he did not bring it down for the strike. And the reason has to be that the angel of God had already seen the decision in his heart before the decision in his knife. I would to God that he could see in all of us a clear, cut your head off devil decision in our heart before we bring the blade down with our mouth. Ooh! That God can see a clear decision in our heart before we flesh out, before we lose our cool, before we, we hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here am I. Here I am. And he said, the angel, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him now. I know you fear God. Do you see that? Now I know you fear God. Now I know, more proof again, I know you fear God. Not because you had gotten to the point of no return on the blade, but because I saw your heart before you got there. I've heard God blame for a lot of things. Oh, he just let it happen just so I could just be more like him. He let the tragedy happen. He let the this happen and the that happen just so he could see where my heart is. Listen, God knows where your heart is before the tragedy comes through. God knows where your heart is before you, you mess everything up. Quite often, we are the ones to blame. Only because we are not in a position to hear God say, hey, Tony, stop. Hey, Mark, stop. Hey, Fred, wait. We get on a tangent and we are just, 
army. Woo! I mean, we are just slashing through in the name of Jesus. And we believe that because we're tearing stuff up, we're doing something for God. God doesn't work that way every time. Don't lay a hand on the lad or do anything to hurt him. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh or the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I swear, saying the Lord, because you have done this stuff, this thing for me, because your heart is committed to obeying and, and being the, what I want it to be and have not withheld your son, your only son. In blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, the sand which is on the shoreline. And your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelled in Beersheba. If you read, this is the bottom portion the first, from verse 1 through 9, uh, it talks about how God instructed him. God just calls him one morning and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. That's how the conversation starts. <laughs> Abraham, how you doing? Nope, not, no, didn't say that. Abraham, shalom. Nope, didn't say that either. It said, Abraham wakes up. Yes? I want you to go up to the mount and sacrifice your son unto me. The son, that, yes, your only son, that one, yeah. And guess what? Abraham responded with the same almost nonchalance as God had spoken to him. God says, go and sacrifice your son. Uh, by any chance, could we pull up just one, uh, uh, 22? Genesis 22, 1. Uh, I, now it came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you've loved, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I shall tell you. <laughs> look, look, look. 
So Abraham rose <laughs> early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he, he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. <laughs> no conversation. God said it. Yes, okay. His only son. I, I had to dig into that some more. I, I had to dig into that. I had to dig into that. I had to figure out why would Abraham respond to God like that? What, what, why, why would their conversation be so generic? What, why, why would there be no fuss? No, no, no grout, no, no. Well, what, what you mean, God? You know how long I waited. You know you promised me this boy. You, you know that my, my wife, no, nothing. I had to figure out why, 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 what's the relationship here? Based on the time from Abraham or Abraham's first encounter with God in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, God picks him out of his family. This is a young man who God picks out of his family and his family were part of the Chaldean ancestry. These were moon worshipers. They knew nothing about the almighty God. These were folk that he grew up in an atmosphere where Jehovah, the name Jehovah meant nothing. And God calls him and says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and move from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Not, not, to, not, to, not to this land, but to a land I will show you on the way. And a guy who has never heard of God, Jehovah God, in his life, Gives up the wealth, gives up the, the cover and the, and the honor and, the, and the, the, the respect in the community gained by his father who is a moon worshiper. And he just gathers his wife and his stuff and just tells them bye and leaves. God picked him out of his family and kinfolk and told him to pack up and leave. And he followed the voice and direction. And God said, I'm going to bless you. And God did. Then again, when he was 99 years old, God visits him again. His wife Sarah is 90. And God says to him, I'm going to bless you with a son. And God kept his promise again. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. God calls him out of his ancestry, his kinfolk, everything that he knew would make him successful if he just follows the, temp, the family thing. Many of us know, I've got a friend who, uh, his father, 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 the whole family. He just happened to be Indi an Indian friend of mine, 
but for the last four or five generations, all of them have trained to be doctors. It's what they do. Another family, all they do in that family is produce lawyers. And they all are connected. One of them, he's connected to all of his last four or five doctors in this family have gone through Georgetown University. It's just what they do. They hold on to a heritage that, 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 that has got blessing, their, their kind of blessing connected with it. Abraham, Abram at the time, was walking away from the moon god worshiping blessing that his father Terah was not a poor guy. And he walks away from it and saw God keep his word. Then when he cries out for a child and his wife begs and they couldn't have one because now they're too old. God comes to him when he's 99, his wife is 90, and says, I'm God, I'm Jehovah that you followed out of your family's heritage. And I'm going to give you a child. And God kept his promise. I want you to keep that in your mind. I want you to keep that in your mind. Now we're going to establish a couple of things about the glory of God. And this you can write down. Glory comes out of an ever-increasing faith in what God is going to do. There is a difference between faith and trust. As a believer, I don't believe that you should have faith in anyone. We use that word loosely, but I believe it's a misuse of the word faith. Why? Because faith is blind trust. Faith is blind trust. And if you make blind trust, Give blind trust to any individual. It doesn't matter how Christian they are. It don't matter how long they've been saints. At some point, in some situation, in some interaction, somewhere along the line, they will fail you. God is saying to everyone, have faith in me. Put blind trust in what, my, what I say. And the reason we can put blind trust in everything God says is because he kept his promise. How do I know I'm alive? The fact that I was born, the fact that I came through the birth canal and I was not aborted, means that God has been watching my life and your life from before conception. And if I trust anybody, I need to be able to trust the guy who knew me before I was born.
Glory comes out of an ever-increasing faith in what God is going to do. The first thing God says to Abraham is, I want you to trust me. I, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me by having blind faith in my promise. Leave your family and come out from among them. And I'm going to take you someplace that you don't know yet, that I'm not telling you about yet, but when you get there, you'll know what it is, and I'm going to bless you on the way. And God did exactly what he said he would do. He had complete faith that God would do what he said he would do. And I don't know how it happened. I don't understand how a guy could come out of a family like his and just, just, just hear God's voice. I don't know if the word doesn't say he saw a light like Paul on the road to Damascus. It, it just, God just spoke to him and he believed. I, I, I don't understand it, but, but I believe the word. He had blind faith. Faith is the what? The evidence of things. Not the evidence. It's the substance of things hoped for. The tangibility of stuff I don't feel. By faith I'm holding it even though nobody else can see it yet. Even I can't see it but I'm holding it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things I have not yet seen. That he walked in complete hope that what God said he would do, he would do. And God did it. Second, the glory comes out of an unwavering trust in what God has already done. So first God calls him and he has to step out in blind faith and God keeps his promise. Then God tells him, you don't have a child, you're going to have a child, even though you're beyond childbearing years and your wife's womb is dried up, I'm going to put life in her womb, she's going to have a child. And God kept his, kept his promise. So his reaction to God saying, take your son and sacrifice him was based on faith and trust. That I had faith in God when I didn't have nothing and God turned me into something. Is there anyone else that could say that? I had faith in God when I was nothing and God turned me into something. Daniel was just talking about it. I had faith in God when I knew nothing about tithing but I decided I was going to trust God. I was going to step out in faith and I was going to start tithing and God turned me into something. He trusted God. He trusted God. Trust comes out of what has already happened. You can develop trust. I, I do not believe you should have faith in people, but you can develop trust in an individual based on track record. So you don't develop trust overnight. You don't wake up and trust somebody. You can learn to trust them based on what they are doing over a period of time. And Abraham 
developed not just faith in God, but he backed that faith up with complete trust because God had done what God said he would do. So sitting on a stool of just looking at his own life and saying, by faith, God kept his promise. By trust, I could see what God did. When God comes to him and says, I want you to sacrifice your son, he didn't speak it, but if he was human, I could hear him saying in his head, well, if God gave me a son when I couldn't have a son, and if God took me from my mama and daddy's place that had everything, and I walked away with almost nothing, and then God said he would bless me, and he blessed me, then there is no reason for me to even question what he's telling me. I would to God that we would all get to a place where our our faith in God and our trust in what God already did. You're alive today, God has already done something. You, you got your right mind, God has already done something. You got a job that you were able to retire from, or you even got a job, period. God has already done something. You are still, I mean you are still, you feel hope in your life. When others are feeling depressed, when others are killing themselves, when others are shooting their brains out, you are feeling hopeful because God has been working on you then you have the ability right now to trust God and have faith in God and stand on his word and say I will not be moved 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 I'm going to stand in faith I'm going to stand in faith. You got family that is not saved. You got things that need to change. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Hallelujah. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. I will not be, I will not be moved. Hallelujah. Just, just, just a few more minutes. We just hit 12 o'clock. Isaiah 26 and 3. Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in constant peace whose mind is stayed or whose mind cannot be changed from trusting you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thou will keep him in perfect or constant peace whose mind is stayed or cannot be changed from trusting you. Why? Because I have trust in you, Lord. Because you have trusted him. That's Isaiah 26 and 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind cannot be changed from God. I want you to keep that in mind. 
Hebrews 4 and 9 and 10. There remaineth, hallelujah, there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, God kind of rest, has himself also ceased from his own attempts, his own works, his own trying to find peace through what he does. As God did for his. For he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself ceased from attempting to find peace on his own. Point number three. Glory comes out of your peace and rest in God. Glory comes out of your peace and your rest in God. Let me give you a catchy sentence for that. If you're peaceful, God will place you. If you're peaceful, God will place you. You want to be placed, right? You're looking for a promotion that, that you don't know how it's going to come, when it's going to why, what, 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 what you can do, God? How are you going to do this? No, 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 no. If you're peaceful, Abraham was sitting in peace. That's why when God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him, there was no fussing. Why? Because he was sitting in what? Perfect peace. That God, if God could give him a child at 99, God could replace him at 199. If you're peaceful, God will place you exactly where you need to be. Second, if you rest, God will bless. If you rest, God will bless. If you rest, God will bless. God cannot bless someone who is always in anxiety who is always worrying and stressing because those things cancel out the voice of God. You can hear God. You cannot hear God telling you what to do. Actually, you can hear, but you don't obey. Because you are overwhelmed with anxiety. You're overwhelmed with worry. And that causes you to stay in perpetual I know what to do, but has anyone been paralyzed by that kind of fear, by that kind of anxiety? You know what to do. You know what to do. You, you, you heard it a million times, but because you have not released everything to God and broken out of anxiety and fear, you get stuck in. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. The glory of God comes out of your peace and rest in God. If you're, in, if you're peaceful, God will place you. 
And if you are in rest, God will bless. If you are in rest, God will bless. We're ending with Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean or put confidence in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him or bring him in. And he will direct your path or he will make your path straight. Without God, your path will stay crooked. Without trust in God, without resting in God, without having the peace of God in your life, you will always be struggling with a crooked path. God is not a God that always wants you to be under stress. My God is not a God of perpetual stress. My God is not a God of perpetual testing. My God is not a God of perpetual, I mean, every time, I, I got friends, every time I talk to them, the, the devil is attacking them. I mean, it don't matter if you, if you catch them at six in the morning, they just woke up, the devil is attacking them. I don't care if you catch them right after they won the lottery, the devil is attacking them. God forbid they played it. But uh, th it doesn't matter. The devil is always attacking them. That's not the God we serve. The God we are serving is a God that will allow you to be tested. And when you press and hold on and go through the test, he gives you recoup time to celebrate the victory. He always does. He don't send you into battle and continue pushing you until you wore out, until you die on the battlefield. He has, he has a sense of giving you time to celebrate what he's doing for you. God's glory comes out of, a, out of a commitment to only speak what God said as truth, especially when the facts say different. God's glory comes out of, a, out of a commitment to speak what God said as truth, even when the facts look different. And that point, number four, bonus point, came out of the fact that when God told him what to do, he woke up the next morning, woke his son up, and he said, come help me. We're going up to Mount Moriah. He didn't spend time explaining to everybody around him. Why, why do we do that? We got to find out what everybody thinks before we do what God said. Why, why do we do that? If you know in your heart that God said it, then hold on to what God said and march forward. He got his donkeys together. He got the wood together. He told his son, come along. He got the knife. He got everything. And his, his servants and his son kept asking him, well, what, what are we doing? Where are we going? The Lord will provide. The Lord is, deal, is leading us. The Lord has spoke to me. You don't need the facts. You just know that this was God. Father, I thank you this morning for giving us a clear understanding that there's nothing to be afraid of when we hear the phrase that glory has its price. 
We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried because the price that we pay for your glory is a price that can be paid. It is a price that can be paid. And it's a price that does not give us sorrow. Hallelujah. It's not a price that brings sorrow. It's a price that brings victory. This morning, I am asking God that you will pull your people into stronger faith. I know what God said, and I just decide to believe what God said without any proof. I don't care. If God said it, I don't need proof. I have faith. If God said it, I'm going to trust him because I, I, my, my old grandma used to say, because I done seen him work. We have faith and trust in you, Lord. We have faith and trust in you this morning. We are asking for an invite of your glory upon our lives because we have made a decision to stand in faith, to stand in trust, and to believe that you will keep your promise. Oh God, that we will stand in peace, that we will rest in the, what you said, and we will not entertain anxiety. We will not entertain a, a, a pressure from depression, we will not entertain worry because you have brought us into peace and rest. And last, we will not doubt your word. Your word, your truth stands over every fact that we see around us. Father, help us to walk in these four things so that we see a new manifestation of your glory in our lives that causes the adversary to back up from the boundary. Back up, devil, back up. Stay half a mile away from my stuff. Back up in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives and your grace in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you have not saved or you need to rededicate your life. My heart hurts. My heart will be in pain if all you've heard today is a sermon. And you have not heard God calling you back home. If you are that person that needs to come back home and rededicate your heart. I don't need you coming to the altar. I don't need you doing anything at home except just praying with me right now. Would you pray together with me? Dear Father, I'm coming to you with all of my mess, with all of my insecurities, with all of my doubts and fears, and all of my mistakes. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, of my iniquities, of my wrongdoing. Dear Jesus, apply your blood to my life. Wash me clean as I repent right now. Light a fire anew in me. 
sign my name up in your book and make me one of your own. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you just prayed that prayer, you have switched sides. You are on the winning side and you need to celebrate that right now by giving God a hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Can we give God a hand? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, as your people leave, we ask God that you will continue to manifest yourself. We are tired of the mediocre. We are tired of mediocre. We need, I need your, I need your glory to come down. I need, I need to reestablish respect in my sphere of influence. Go ahead and tell him. Father, I'm coming to you because I need, I need to reestablish respect for your glory in my life. We thank you for being with us in this service. We ask you to cover us this week. Bring us, oh God, to Bible study online on Wednesday. Bring us into glory again as we get in on power up tomorrow and Wednesday and on Friday. We thank you again for your goodness and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Give God a hand. Giving is one of our greatest tools in worship. Would you give with us on today in your worship? You can give online at theassemblyflawrence.org. Navigate to the top right corner. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button. If you're on a mobile device, tablet, smartphone, click the three horizontal lines in the top right corner of the screen and click the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform. You can also text to give by texting the number 77977 that says SC Assembly Give, and that's all one word. You'll receive step-by-step -step instructions on how to give via text. Lastly, you can give by mailing in check or money order to The Assembly at 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Help us to advance the kingdom of God all around the world.